Hi, everyone, and welcome to First Aid Insights, a podcast presented by the University of Delaware's Institute for Public Administration. We call ourselves IPA for short. My name is Troy Mix. I'm Associate Director at IPA and your host for this episode. This episode of First Aid Insights is part of IPA's Visions of Recovery series, which features 15-minute conversations on five important questions. What's one thing you think will be changed for good after the pandemic? What's one thing you hope will change? What needs to happen for this change to occur? What are you doing to make it happen? And how can folks get involved? My guest is Aaron Norris. Aaron is a natural hazards planner with the Delaware Emergency Management Agency. At DEMA, Aaron is the state public assistance officer and the lead coordinator for individual assistance programs. And she also acts as the state voluntary agency liaison. On November 2nd, 2021, Aaron and I spoke about the value of community partnerships for disaster response and recovery and the opportunities to diversify the field of emergency management moving forward. Let's get to the conversation. All right. Good morning, Aaron. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So as we get moving here, could you tell listeners who you are and what you do? Yeah, my name is Erin Norris. I work for Delaware Emergency Management Agency. I joined the agency in 2018. Prior to that, I had worked at Rhode Island Emergency Management Agency. Also, I work in disaster recovery. And so when I was at Rhode Island, I was also working in disaster recovery. So that's kind of my niche here. I've had prior experiences where I worked with nonprofits in a variety of fields. And so I've been able to bring that experience to the disaster recovery realm. So you've got a a varied background kind of all around disasters and recovery issues. And so, you know, as we look towards recovery, work our way through recovery from the pandemic, is there one thing you think will be changed for good moving forward? Absolutely. I think that especially through the pandemic, and we saw hints of this before with a lot of other large-scale disasters, was the, the need for community partnerships and just the bringing the community partnerships to the forefront. And we saw that with some large, you know, I guess what they would call block, blockbuster disasters. But now I think it's just throughout all levels of government. And it's definitely here to stay. You know, you've seen it We've seen it here in Delaware from the pandemic to ESAIS and then most recently with IDA. But we've seen these community partnerships, whether it be with local food banks, churches, other civic organizations, it's really helping make that recovery mission and goals. It's really helping to make those successful. And are there things about the pandemic in particular that you think kind of Give the evidence to community partners that these partnerships are worth standing up long term? Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of organizations in the state that have stepped up and, you know, one piece would be helping out with, I guess, two pieces would be feeding. And then another piece would be vaccination efforts if we're looking just with the pandemic. And those are things that those players are continuing to work together and continuing to work with all sorts of organizations and levels of government, and not just in the pandemic, but in regular aspects of daily living. But it's also helped to expand missions of what those organizations are doing and what government is also doing. It's just a really wonderful partnership. If we're looking at vaccination, there's definitely things that 
in the beginning, it was these mass vaccination sites. And then it really was the community partnerships that helped to expand the level of vaccination in the state. When it comes to feeding early on, you know, we had community partnerships that were working with all different organizations coming together. Um, There's a lot of organizations that they weren't able to operate the way that they had been in the beginning of the pandemic, you know, when everyone was home. And so there was volunteers that were still kind of looking for ways to assist. And so a lot of the thinking changed around that. And so some of that has continued on where there's more virtual opportunities. There's ways to do things like bringing food that you're not necessarily interacting, but you're leaving it by a doorstep or you're doing something in a mobile aspect and has brought together so many different organizations. And then there's ways to pair together other missions and just kind of expand things that we do. You know, a big piece of what we do in emergency management that is probably not well known is that we do operate some mental health and crisis counseling programs. It's not often that they're here. It's really only for those large-scale disasters that do have such an impact on communities. But that was one thing early on that has really continued is matching some of our mental health specialists and going and working with some smaller food pantries or mobile food drives and just better being integrated into the community to carry out that emergency management mission of mental health and just really expanding the field there. It's been a huge success and that's just one aspect. You know, I could list a bunch of them, but I'll kind of keep it to the, the handful of those few. And so did, did the length of the pandemic really allow for, I mean, negatively, if we call them kind of fits and starts in partnerships, like you didn't, people didn't quite know how to work together. Positively, it might be like iteration. You kind of said there was, you know, opportunities to think differently about certain partnerships. Was that different from other disasters events that Delaware's experienced? Certainly, you know, I think especially in emergency management, if you look at the field itself, there's a lot of expectation that, you know, emergency management is your floods, your tornadoes, your hurricanes, things like that. So when we were kind of pushed into this virtual environment, a lot of the community organizations that we work with are really kind of boots on the ground. And so when you add this other element of the safety aspect, you know, it's not something like mold or anything like that. It's something that's like it's unseen in a sense. So it helped all of, well, it forced all of us to really think in a different light and kind of think outside the box. And now, you know, I guess in a sense, it's almost like, I don't know, some of us, I think we feel like we can really conquer a lot of things now because that was just so different. And we really came together. I remember some of the first meetings that we had around feeding missions. There's just such a variety of feeding needs that were in the state because you were having impacts from the supply chain all the way to, you know, getting meals to hot meals to certain locations. And so it just really required a lot of community partnerships. And that is something that happened so fast. It was certainly needed. And then we were able to really plan and plot a lot when it came to the vaccination distribution. And also with testing, there's all sorts of community partnerships that go from the libraries to you know, very local church organizations as well. So it's just really kind of expanded everything that we do. And we've learned so much more about a lot of these organizations that now when we do have other disasters, there's 
new ways that we can use and leverage these partnerships. You know, whether it is just something of partnering with the church to get out important recovery information or partnering with that church to hold a recovery center of some sort or a community organization to hold a community event where we can share all these disaster recovery resources. If it is something like a flood or a tornado or something like that. And it's just made that seamless. So I think that's why it's been to the forefront. And that's why it's here to change is the value is just immeasurable. Whether we're working in some sort of virtual environment like the pandemic has pushed us to, or once we're back to being boots on the ground and doing some of that, I guess, in a sense, it's like the, the regular niche of emergency management work. So, you know, as you described it, there's the really lasting value of these community partnerships is evident to people. They're kind of, at least you see them as kind of here to stay and future for future events. What's one thing you hope will change moving forward? Particularly in the field of emergency management, I hope that it diversifies on all levels. You know, when I first came into emergency management, I have a background, I studied meteorology. So that's my, I guess, formal training, uh, bachelor's in by, by, by degree, <laughs> um, is in meteorology. And I was the only person who had a scientific background in my whole class, which is a relatively small class of somewhere around 30 individuals, but everyone else was public safety. So I hope that it really will diversify the field. I've met more and more people, even in my own background, who have reached out and thought about going into the field of emergency management. And I know now, too, with these partnerships, I've worked with a lot of community organizations who are asking about emergency management. They're asking about how they can prepare themselves for things like floods, tornadoes, hurricanes. And so now we're helping each other on a whole different level. And I hope that with that, we continue to see individuals and organizations continue to be interested in emergency management. And it's just going to help expand emergency management because, you know, there's something that the National Weather Service always says is if it can rain where you're at, it can flood where you're at. So it's never about if a disaster will happen, it's when a disaster will happen. And it can certainly touch all of us. And the stronger we have these community partnerships at the local level, all the way up through all levels of government, the more resilient we're going to be. And that's really what emergency management is all about. So if we can continue to diversify the field and bring in non-traditional partners then it's going to make us more resilient in the future. How do you think that happens? What do you think needs to happen for that to occur, this diversification? You know, one piece of it in emergency management is we do after-action reviews. And so a lot of times we will do these after-action reviews. And sometimes there's, there's always a running joke that it's like a pat on the back sort of thing. But I think that with the duration of the pandemic, there's a real need to really dig in in these after action reviews and really learn from them. And I think that with, well, I know that the community partnerships are going to be something that's a highlight. And I think that then we need to build on those partnerships. So we need to continue to have meetings, continue to have working groups and identify where those gaps are, where we can continue to diversify the field and where community organizations may help us bridge these gaps and put those into plans and, you know, put those, document all that really is what needs to happen. And then also continue to go out and and reach out to the organizations, continue that engagement. You know, in emergency management, we have blue skies and gray skies. I think that the blue and the gray skies during the pandemic have kind of come into like 
I guess it's like a, a weird blue gray mixture. <laughs> sure. Overcast days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, I guess it's like Seattle uh, in a sense. Um, lots of cloud, clouds. So I think that it's kind of really helped to build on those partnerships and to think about different ways that they could expand and to address a lot of different gaps. So I think that once we can solidify that, having meetings, having comprehensive planning actions, then we're going to be in a better, in a, in a really good place. You mentioned kind of the need to dig in and understand where those gaps are. And you also mentioned, you know, kind of the beginning when you were talking about diversification, you mentioned your meteorology background, so kind of subject matter expertise. Are there other aspects of the gaps that you see that are really apparent in Delaware? Or do we need to wait to see kind of uh, once that after action review takes place to better understand those? You know, I think a little bit is to better understand the, you know, once we have the after, after action review, we'll definitely be able to dive in more. But I think there's also, you know, diversification of different backgrounds, but also demographics as well to be represented in emergency management. It's just, you know, culturally. So that helps with resiliency. That's, that's really the end game for emergency management is to just build resilient communities. And that's really the end game of after action reviews is how can we be more resilient in the future if we were to, you know, gosh forbid, knock on wood, have another pandemic. We want to know that we can reach out to all different communities and have them be a part of emergency management, be a part of recovery and lead recovery. That's really the goal when it comes to recovery is having community organizations, community members, and everyone at all level of government working together. That's what builds successful recovery. And what's your role in all this? How are you, you know, taking steps to kind of make this change happen? Yeah, so my role at DEMA is I kind of work as what's known as a voluntary agency liaison. So I work with a lot of our community organizations. I work a lot with the State Office of Volunteerism, has a lot of amazing programs that they've spearheaded. We also have the Delaware VOAD, which is Voluntary Organizations Active in Disaster. I work a lot with those organizations. And I also, in the role, I get to work with a lot of different states. So I get to learn about what they're doing. You know, what is West Virginia doing? What is Virginia doing? Um, We have a whole region of states that we work with and we can learn from each other and see how they're collaborating, how they're using different partnerships to meet these emergency management goals, whether it is vaccination or feeding or resiliency planning in general. So that's something that I get to do. The other piece is that I do get to lead these working groups and I can also build MOUs, memorandums of understanding or letters of agreement to kind of solidify partnerships so that all this great work that we've done is put on paper and built into plans and it's there to stay in a sense. And I heard you say volunteer about seven times in the last minute. So I have a sense of (laughs) some of the answer to this, but how can folks get involved moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. Folks can volunteer. They can look at their local civic association, uh, food bank. They can visit the Delaware VOAD website. You can pretty much just enter into Google, but it is devoad.org and learn more about the VOAD themselves, learn more about the organizations that are part of the VOAD movement, 
in your state, in Delaware, wherever you're tuning in from, really. And there's there's just a realm, you know, I think that emergency management touches a lot of different things. That's why I entered, that's why I was interested in the field and got into it in the first place is because it really does touch a lot of different pockets and the ability to work with community organizations, I think is the best part of the job. And we're certainly in a time where it is on the pedestal that it deserves, I think. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for taking time to talk really about kind of the power and possibility of partnerships for resilient communities. I really appreciate you speaking with me today. Thank you so much. Visit dema.delaware.gov to learn more about DEMA's work to coordinate emergency preparedness, training, response, recovery, and mitigation services in Delaware. To learn more about work at the Institute for Public Administration, including our Recover Delaware initiative, visit ipa.udel.edu. Thanks again for listening today. Reach out with comments, subscribe to First State Insights, and tune in again soon. Take care. Take care.